Welcome to the Find Empathy Podcast, where we discuss the interaction between health and emotions. My name is Dr. Megan Beyer. This very first episode is an introduction to who I am, my background and training, as well as the mission and goal of Find Empathy. I invited Damon Wyatt, a member of the Find Empathy team, to be the interviewer. He has a master's in counseling and worked as a school counselor for 10 years. He later transitioned to the business world where he hosted a podcast in the cycling industry. So he knows a little bit about both the mental health world as well as what this podcasting thing is all about. This first episode is not going to count towards continuing education credits, but future episodes will. If you would like to learn more about the continuing education process, please visit findempathy.com backslash learn. Additionally, one of our main goals is to help patients and families with chronic illness find mental health providers who understand their medical diagnosis. If you are one of these special experts, please join our free directory. Visit findempathy.com and select Get Listed. Welcome everyone to this first introductory episode of the Find Empathy podcast. Today I'm just going to talk a little bit about who I am and why I started this podcast. And I have somebody here today who's going to interview me. His name is Damon Wyatt and he is actually my husband. Hi, I'm honored to be here. Thank you, (laughs) wife, Dr. Beyer, for having me here to interview you. Absolutely. I think it'll be fun. How do you think it's going to feel to be the interviewee instead of the interviewer? I don't know. I think I prefer to be the interviewer, but we'll see. Let's go. (laughs) Let's find (laughs) out. Okay. So I think what would be great is we kind of set the stage of way before we get to this podcast because people don't know the beginning where this started. So how did you even get into psychology in the first place? Psychology was always something that I was really interested in for a long time. I even remember being excited about a psychology class in high school. And when I got to my undergrad degree, I double majored and one of my majors was in psychology. And my favorite class was the biological basis of behavior. And I was really always fascinated by how the brain and body interact. I think it's always been something that's been really interesting to me. Uh, As I got out of undergrad, I really struggled to sort of know where I was going to take my career. After I finished my undergrad degree, I actually started working as a research assistant at the University of Pennsylvania as part of their education department, looking at different types of education in public schools in Philadelphia and how that impacted different groups of kids. And while it was really interesting, it wasn't an area of passion for me. So uh, shortly after, I switched to working as a direct care worker at a place called Bancroft NeuroHealth in New Jersey. And Bancroft NeuroHealth was a place where people with traumatic brain injuries went and uh, did day programs, cognitive rehabilitation. Uh, There were residential facilities, and I worked in one of the residential facilities, uh, supported apartments. So I would drive people to doctor's appointments, make sure that they were taking their medications, play board games with them. Uh, And I just really loved that job. And I think that's kind of where my career as it is now started. But as I remember, you living in West Trenton, and we were dating at the time, and you were working there, and you came back just glowing. You clearly loved it. 
but you told me you were interested in then looking into a master's in school counseling. So why didn't you go in that direction? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I didn't want to do a full PhD. I was a little bit afraid of doing this long, intense educational experience. But I, I did apply for a school counseling master's program and simultaneously applied for a master's in counseling to be a clinical therapist, master's level clinical therapist. And when I got accepted into both of those programs, I wasn't excited. I was not excited. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I remember kind of getting the news and even getting a phone call from one of the directors for one of the school psychology programs. And I just I was like, ah, oh, that's cool, but I wasn't excited. And so to me, that was a little bit of an indicator that maybe that wasn't the right pathway. Yeah, I remember you being ho-hum about it. I think it was also, I, I was concerned. I mean, at the time, I was basically about to go into school counseling, going through the master's program. And like, I felt that pull. But when I talked to you, based on what you just told me a minute ago about what your favorite course was, I was like, maybe your trajectory is somewhere else. You know, yeah. maybe working with kids is not what you want to do, even though the psychology element was the exciting part for you. Exactly. Yeah, I think I loved the biological basis of behavior. And in working at Bancroft, there was that connection, right? When people had a traumatic brain injury, I saw that connection between how their brain was impacted and how that impacted their everyday lives, their cognition, their emotions, what supports they needed. And, you know, I think one of the things that really struck home for me and working at Bancroft was not just that academic side of things. It was, I remember coming home, and this is even before grad school, and talking to people and saying, the individuals that live there, they just want to be known and respected for who they are, who they were and who they are. They don't want people to look at them differently because now their brain injury has impacted their behavior or their cognition. And I think that has been a theme that stuck with me um, through grad school and into now is that people might be dealing with a lot of different medical conditions that impact their everyday life, but they want to be seen for who they are. They don't want to be seen for their diagnosis. Absolutely. So I'm trying to think if that point was when you went to Marquette to dissect the brain or if it was after you went to your next program, because that's how I knew you wanted to get deeper into like the brain is like, let me go dissect the brains of a cadaver because I need to understand how the brain works. That was after I was started after? grad school. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. just remember that. And it I was, was very like, early you were on, so excited. You're like, I'm going to go rip brains apart. I Yeah, I signed up for this. What was it over the summer? It was over the summer, yeah. but I, I almost thought it was before. But OK, I, I digress. But I wanted to tell that story. It was just more <laughs> to, to tell you about Megan's. It was fascinating. Her incredible interest and in how deeply she wanted to go into this, even though she's talking about, you know, people accepted as people and not their condition. I just thought that was a fun part to add. OK, so you're not excited about this master's piece. So what happens next? Once I realized that I was very interested in traumatic brain injury and had this experience at Bancroft, I started applying to clinical psychology programs and even more specifically clinical psychology programs with a health emphasis. One of my goals was to be a psychologist that worked with people that had medical conditions. I thought that I was going to go to grad school and work with brain injury because I loved this experience at Bancroft so much. And little did I know that I quickly switched gears, <laughs> but I still I still am very interested in 
brain injury and others, but I think I got introduced very early on to a new population, multiple sclerosis, which is going to be covered in this first series that we're doing. And how did you get connected to that in your program? Because you didn't know that going in, like all of a sudden, well, I'm going to work with MS. So how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any family members that have MS. I don't have a personal connection to it, but I think it was my first or second year I was there. There was a professor, his name is Fred Foley, and he was the psychologist running neuropsychological assessments and psychotherapy for the MS Center at Holy Name Hospital. And he was looking for a grad student to come in and help in in that clinic to do neuropsychological assessments, to do psychotherapy. And uh, I applied because I was like, hey, this this kind of aligns with my interests. And once I got in there, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved the people that I worked with. And I also saw this huge gap in research. While there's still a lot to be studied in brain injury and stroke and other populations, at that time, there was almost no research on how people improved their cognition with MS, how people addressed depression, which is rampant, very, very common in MS. And so I think I saw the idea that I could take some of what I already knew, even as a grad student from brain injury, and apply it in MS and have a huge impact. So I I loved working in that clinic. I loved working with the people that I came in contact with. And I saw there, there was a huge need for this group as well. Yeah, so let's also like weave this into your world tour, right? So you were you were in West Trenton, right? And then you get into Yeshiva, which is in the Bronx, where then you move to Clifton. I know I'm telling part of the story for you. And so then how did you get from there? I mean, I should also mention I dragged her to New Jersey and she had to drive three hours (laughs) each way. Never again. And I I promise never to make that happen again. And that was that's on me. That's for another time. But so then how did you go from, okay, you're you're falling in love with this, working with this population, and so now what happens after you graduate? You know, how do you get to your next level as working with MS? When I started working at Holy Name, I actually switched my dissertation from what it was originally. I was going to work in a cardiovascular lab and switched it to working with Dr. Foley and doing research in MS. I knew that this was the population I wanted to stick with for my career. I applied for internships that had large MS populations, and I ended up getting into an internship at the Baltimore VA. And that's the part of the MS Center of Excellence East. I got to do a lot of work there, both research and clinically, with the MS population. And from there, I applied for postdoctoral fellowships. And I drug you from the East Coast all the way to Seattle, where I did a two-year fellowship at the University of Washington, which was awesome. And she goes, okay, we're going to move to Baltimore, then we're going to move to Washington State. (laughs) (laughs) At least we didn't go to Tampa. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, listeners from Tampa. Just didn't want the summers. So then you go there, and what happened in that situation? Like, what did you take from there to kind of work closer to where we're going to get to this ultimate goal of find empathy? Yeah, um, at the University of Washington, I worked with an awesome group of people. Um, It's one of the largest MS centers in the country, has one of the biggest psychology research centers that's focused on MS in the country. 
I did work looking at psychosocial factors in MS, cognition in MS. I explored creating an app to assess cognition because I realized that that was a gap. We weren't really assessing cognition regularly. We loved it out there. We loved Seattle. I I loved working at University of Washington. You'll recognize through this series that there's a few people who I worked with previously who are going to be on this podcast series just because they're experts and they're great people. But I then realized that we were really far from our families. Damon and my family were both on the East Coast. And so we we had some family things come up and I realized that, you know, maybe it was better for us to be on the East Coast uh, as much as we loved it. I started looking for jobs and I applied for a few different jobs all over the country, but mostly on the East Coast. And this opportunity arose at Johns Hopkins, where even though there wasn't a big psychology presence, there was a large MS center. They were doing lots of research in MS. And I would be able to walk in and really uh, create a space for doing psychological research as well as interventions in the MS clinic here. In 2015, we moved back to the East Coast, and I've been at Johns Hopkins ever since. Okay, so 2015, so then... How long have you been at Hopkins now? So that's six years? Yeah. That's about that point? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to go backwards to go forward. So we're going to step next, but I want to go into this one. When I, like when people say, okay, you know, what does your wife do for a living? I introduce you as a rehabilitation health neuropsychologist, <laughs> which is just sounds awesome. But like, can you explain? I mean, you explain that. I mean, that's in under your name. You know, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So I introduced myself as having some experience in all of these areas. So my graduate school program was in health psychology. We got lots of uh, classes with medical students in uh, the medical school at Albert Einstein. So we really kind of learned um, what first year medical students learn um, about different medical populations and then how to connect that to psychological uh, or emotional disorders that people might be experiencing and vice versa. The health psychology part is part of my graduate school training. I also was really interested, obviously, in this brain connection. So I did a minor in neuropsychology. My internship and my postdoc were focused on uh, neuropsychology, both clinically and through research. And the rehab side of it was sort of woven in between all of this, which is, you know, there's kind of a connection or maybe it stands in both camps, but rehab is sort of health and it's also neuro, right? There's, it's working with people who have chronic medical conditions or disabilities and helping them to thrive or helping them um, to be able to be as functional and as part of whatever they want to be a part of as possible. So the rehab part of it is how do I live with a chronic condition and really thrive alongside of it? Which is a great segue. So then the next portion there is you're at Hopkins. This is clearly your passion. But now you come up with this idea for Find Empathy. So where did that come from and what was the vision? I was constantly hearing from a lot of different places that there was this huge gap. I would get patients who came in from outside of Hopkins and they'd say, I've worked with three different providers in the community and none of them really knew my condition. They didn't know my condition, and they also told me they didn't really know how to help me. When I found out that there was a psychologist that knew MS, oh my God, sign me up, (laughs) you know? I remember sitting in a meeting actually with a physician from the COPD team, 
at Johns Hopkins, they said at, at a certain point they stopped referring people out or even really screening for mental health symptoms because they didn't have enough providers to refer people to. And the providers they did refer them to didn't really know how to work with their population. Fortunately, they have a psychologist as part of their team, so that, you know, they're good. But it's, you know, I was hearing that from lots of different medical providers. And the other side of it is I have friends who have private practices and they came from my program. So they have this background in health and they would be the people uh, to refer all of these patients to. And yet people didn't know they existed, right? They didn't know that there was this sort of subset of psychologists that really knew how to work with chronic medical conditions, how to work with people that are living with really challenging medical conditions. And so I kind of wanted to connect the dots between all of those different groups. Right, help patients find the providers, uh, the mental health providers who can help them, help medical providers like physicians find the therapists out there who really can help their specific population of people, and you know, help uh, those in the community either learn about these different medical conditions so they can become a specialist, or just kind of um, help put the word out there that they exist. So you, you know this population of you know, specialists exist that can help people because they know chronic illness. So like basically health psychologists working in private practice or other places. But what we're introducing right now is a podcast Mm -hmm. for continuing education credits for providers. So how did you go from trying to connect those two, you know, the patients who need this provider who knows their condition to now a podcast? You know, it's funny because when I started, we we were really going to do a directory, you know, have people sign up and uh, have mental health providers sign up. And a few things we were running into. One is that COVID hit and providers got flooded (laughs) with patients. And so a lot of people weren't trying to advertise their their business anymore um, because they had you know, too many people uh, coming in the door and they weren't able to meet everybody's needs. Even where we are, we have, I think, a two or three month waiting list and we have over 10 psychologists now. That was one part of it. The other part of it is that there's not, there's, I think that there is not a lot of people out there who really specialize in medical conditions, or at least that's the way it seems. I reached out to a contact I had at the National MS Society, and I was talking about this project, and they were excited about it. I said, well, you know, would you mind sharing the directory with the people on your list so that, you know, we can get the word out? They said, well, we don't really even have that many people. <laughs> oh, please help us. Can yeah. you help? No, can you add to our list, please? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of part of it. And mm-hmm. what One person I talked to throughout all of this said, well, have you considered doing education? Because maybe if you taught people about MS and it's not just going to be MS after this MS series, we're going to do others on COVID and cancer and women's health issues. You name it, we're going to do it. But they were looking for those specialists out there who really knew that condition. And so it felt like it was another gap that needed to be filled. And then as people learn about these different conditions, then they can be listed for free in our directory and then patients can find them. We're, we're really trying to connect all of those dots. And also to add in, and you can add to this, but I remember you on a regular basis in the last two years, you've come to me saying, you've mentioned the idea of what you're going to do to people. And they were like, oh, that sounds amazing. I wish we had that resource, right? Like it wasn't just the MS Society. Wasn't mm-hmm. it like many, many other people you spoke to? 
Yeah, I mean, there's been multiple meetings I've been in and somebody said, I wish there was dot, 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 you know, what we're what we're trying to build here. And, you know, I think that the need is out there. We'll start small and we'll build over time. But really, my goal is to help people, to help people find the resources that they need, whoever that person is, if whether you're living with that condition, whether you're the physician who's trying to find a mental health provider, or whether you're the psychologist who wants to learn more because you had a patient come into your practice who has a specific condition that you don't know a lot about. So this first season is all in MS, which makes sense, right? You're yeah. incredibly knowledgeable, tons of research is the perfect host for this. What is kind of the future vision of Find Empathy for the future, either through the podcast or in other means? We've already been talking to other organizations outside of MS, and they have a similar need. What we're going to do is continue to partner with patient organizations, continue to partner with other specialists in other diagnoses, and we'll do potentially more podcast series. We'll maybe do some webinars, COVID permitting, maybe some in-person live uh, trainings. But really the goal is to introduce different diagnoses and how you can best work with those diagnoses as a mental health provider. Some of it, it's going to be feedback from the audience. So as people reach out to us, share what they need, um, what they like, what they don't like, I'm really open to shaping this to what the community itself needs. And I also know you won't probably say this about yourself, so I'll say this so I can do this uh, as part of this interview. But I think what people will hear in this process is a lot of passion. There's a lot of passion from the different people you interview. There's a lot of passion from you and empathy from you. And I think people will really feel that. Like this isn't something where you just kind of threw it together. I see... Megan working at midnight at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday uh, at hours that are ridiculous to make this a great product for providers. So I I want to emphasize that hopefully you'll see and, and feel and hear what I have seen in the last two years as part of this process. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's been an honor to interview you. Thank you so much for interviewing me and at least hoping that I hope that people have gotten a little bit of an understanding of who I am and why we started this podcast. And again, very open to feedback as we move forward with this. I want this to be a great resource for everyone. And so email us at info at findempathy.com if you have any feedback or any populations that you think we should cover. Thank you for listening to this introductory episode. I'm really excited to begin this journey with you. Stay connected and feel free to suggest diagnoses you would like covered in future series. Email us at info at findempathy.com. You can also stay connected by following us on social media. Find Empathy is on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember to listen to our first series on multiple sclerosis, launching January 6th, 2022.